Welcome to the news sessions from Mishkondorea, hosted by Paddy O'Connell. A conversation on key legal matters that affect you, your business and your life. The News Sessions Podcast with Paddy O'Connell. Hello, these are the News Sessions. I'm Paddy O'Connell. Today we're talking about Uber drivers, bike couriers, food delivery people, plumbers and more. The same little app we use on our phone can be turned the other way to get us work. It's sometimes called the gig economy and it's all about the way we earn money in the modern age. There have been some blockbuster legal cases and here to discuss is Susanna Kintish. She represented one side in a case that hit the headlines and this has been her area of life as a lawyer for years. She's employment partner at Mishkonda Rea. Hello there, Susanna. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I mean, let's talk about work. It's, it, although it's so varied, we've got a million jobs in a million countries... Is it really in the UK only three categories of employment? Is that the only way to see it? Yeah, that's right. You've got your three separate um, three separate categories and they all attract different rights. So you've got one end of the spectrum, employees, the other end of the spectrum, people who are genuinely self-employed and in the middle, this category of worker. Right. So let's talk about employment. I'm on PAYE. I have holiday, maternity, paternity, I have sick pay, I have in-staff training, I have regulated hours. What kind of things delineates an employee well this is this is the issue at the moment is that essentially employee worker and self-employed have all become points on a spectrum which is why the courts have really struggled to to find very very clearly which group of people fall into which category Ah, there aren't very very defined boundaries between the three the boundaries have been slipping exactly for all the reasons i was mentioning to do with the kind of gig economy the app the apps that make you get mini work and everything exactly the world of work has changed since the employment rights act came in in 1996 you know it was the year of the spice girls um if you think about the way you worked way back then and the way people work today it's very very different and the legislation and um, the courts have been trying to interpret the legislation to keep up with the changing world of work did you like the spice girls i love the spice yeah, girls you're just checking now we'll come back, <laughs> maybe we'll come back to that no. but let, so let's just talk notionally then it's a spectrum so if i think about the rainbow yeah uh, what is it? Red. Richard of York gave battle in vain, isn't it? Rich, oh, yeah, that's right, red, yeah. <laughs> red to violet. Yeah. So let's talk about red. Let's call that, call that a notional job. Give me an example of someone who, the, by and large, would consider themselves to be employed. So somebody who's an employee... Um, is under the total control of their employer. So they've got to turn up for work every day. They've got to do exactly what their employer says they've got to do. Very, very um, constrained hours. Um, They've not really got any power in the bargain between the two parties. No, so it's lunchtime and you don't say to the boss, oh, that's it, it's hot. I'm not coming back till Friday. Exactly. And if you did do that, you might expect to um, to receive your P45. Because I'd have signed a contract, which probably said how many hours, but it also says what the, the employer is going to give me. Maybe some training, maybe a special process if I need to be disciplined and rights. Exactly. You'll have to turn up to the same office every day. You'll be using your work's computer. You'll probably have a work phone. You'll be trained by by your employer, um, you'll have to do really exactly what they say within the letter of your contract. And in return for that, you get paid. And uh, the law says that 
you attract certain rights, such as the right not to be unfairly dismissed. And to listeners everywhere, those rights were won at great cost by people who came before us. I can think now of the film about the women who fought for equal pay on the car factory floor. Dagenham. Dagenham. So these rights have been won, haven't they? And we're going to hear later how the trades unions want them to be maintained. They've been So let's go to the other end, someone who's self-employed or gigging. Okay, so somebody who is really in self, self-employed is in business on their own account. So theoretically, they have a total equality of bargaining power with the organisation to whom they provide their services. So they can say, not doing that today, I'll do it as it suits me. They can market their services more generally. They don't have to turn up at a set time and they have, they have real, real freedom and flexibility. And as such, the law gives them far less protection. Right, so it is a trade-off. The more freedom you have, the less you get in terms of your rights. Yeah. This comes to mind for a lot of people in the form of zero-hours contracts, which is always something that suits some people but is seen as a sort of brutal situation for others. So this is where I do sign that I'm working for you, but you don't say how much work you're going to give me. And that's a form of employment as well, isn't it? It is. And um, and, and where they fall on the spectrum depends. Often people on zero hours contracts will be classed as workers or potentially even employees um, because they don't genuinely have the flexibility to say no. And Matthew Taylor in his review has um, has actually said, look, there's a real place for zero hours contracts, but the, the, the flex... Where there is flexibility, it has to be genuine two-way flexibility as opposed to one person having to turn up and if there's no work available, being sent home and not being paid. Yes, so you've already introduced now the idea of worker. And what is a worker? How is that defined? So a worker is somewhere in the middle of somebody who's an employee and someone who's self-employed. Now, the, the legislation says it's somebody who works under a contract to provide their services and they have to do that service themselves. Personally, they can't subcontract it to somebody else, um, and they're not—they are not a business in themselves. It's a customer of the organisation. Well, let's get to the heart of a case you know very well because you represented the employer, and the case went the other way. Although there may be appeals in the future, or at least Parliament may come in in the future. But it's Pimlico Plumbers. Gary Smith was the man in question. He was entitled to conclude that he was a worker. The court ruled, and he was being treated as an employee. Now, what happened in this case and what did both sides say? So, Gary Smith initially claimed that he was an employee of Pimlico Plumbers and Pimlico Plumbers maintained that he was self-employed. The the courts all the way through found that he wasn't an employee, but neither was he self-employed. He was actually this intermediate category of worker and that's the trend that you've seen develop across a lot of the gig economy cases. And it was basically because he had as his full hours, he had a five-day week and he had a van and he sold his services to the employer. But when he wanted to cut that, cut his terms, it was deemed difficult for him to do it. There was a row that broke out and it went to the courts. Yeah, so I can't get into the details of the of the underlying facts of the case because they're, they're, they're not agreed. Um, but but essentially, that the the um, the essence of it is that he claimed that, um, that Pimlico exercised sufficient... Um, control that he had an obligation to provide his services such that he said he should get full employment rights mm. and Pimlico said well that's that's not the case um you know 
you don't have to provide the services personally. You can call in or not call in for a job. Um, you've got total flexibility as to how you perform that work. Therefore, we think that you're properly self-employed. Now, um, listeners will have very firm opinion on who they back. Do they back Charlie Mullins, who runs yeah. Pimlico Plumbers, is very flamboyant person, or do they back Gary Smith? Now, we know that the um, court has ruled that they've so far backed Gary. But let me ask you if you think there's going to be lots and lots of cases which are fact-specific, testing the law that exists rather than one big sweeping new law that makes it easier to understand. Well, that, and that has been the exact problem so far, is that because because the way you determine what category someone falls into, you have to look at a whole host of factors. So you have to look at what their contract says and you have to look at all the nuance of how the relationship operates in practice. You throw all that into a mixing part, the tribunal does a balancing exercise and spits out an answer, essentially. But because the facts are so different in every case, every single case is very limited to its facts and the tribunals and the courts are very quick to say that. So all that does really is encourage other people to fight cases because their facts are different to the facts that have gone before. Mm. Um, and I think what what we were hoping for to come out of Pimlico Plumbers, given that it's gone to the highest court in the land, is some general guidance that might bind other courts and to stem the flow of litigation. But unfortunately, we have a, a judgment that is also just very limited to its facts. Yeah, so in other words, it's not going to really change the law. It's no. going to mean other cases come. And in fact, it may be something that Parliament has to come back to because the, the situation's changing so much. Yeah, that's right. And, and actually, there's a, there's a government consultation going on at the moment, which has come off the back of the government's response to the Taylor review. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the indications are that, that, that once, once all the, the consultations have closed, you know, that legislation may follow. Yeah. Now, Matthew Taylor carried out a review and he said that it was a very, very fast changing world, but that basically everyone should be offered work that's decent and fair. Yeah. Now, those are interesting, aren't they? Because they're not, they're not really legal phrases, they're moral phrases, aren't they? They are, and... and, and the, the, and I think, and I think therein lies the real difficulty with with legislation in this area is that everything is very, very subjective. You know, genuine two way flexibility where where both parties have a say as to when they turn up and when they don't is is actually is really welcomed. But how do you legislate for for that um, for that two way flexibility and to stop one party taking advantage of another? Mm. I mean, and you've raised that because I mean, here's what the TUC general secretary has said. It's that, you know, sham self-employment has spread. And in other words, that there are people who are generally self-employed, but employers twist the system. And the Taylor report said that people should be cautioned against becoming victims of technology because once you go into the technology, it makes it very easy to say you've done 45 minutes of driving or whatever it is for a taxi firm. Do you, do you now see quite explosive arguments about this, about what is genuine self-employment and what is an effort to abuse an employee yeah i mean i think i think words like sham self-employment are um are unhelpful in the general context i mean obviously you're always going to have people operating around the peripheries of of, of trying to exploit people but you know if you look at the trade of a taxi driver historically pre-apps the trade of a plumber you would always in your head expect those trades tradesmen or taxi drivers to be self-employed mm -hmm. um the the world the world has changed and when people make a brand out of a business um you know slowly controls start coming in and that arguably undermines undermines people's flexibility in a certain situation I mean, 
There was a case in 2016 when Uber lost a battle and a London employment tribunal said its drivers were workers rather than self-employed, meaning they were entitled to holiday pay, paid rest breaks and the national minimum wage. And we won't get into this case in specifics with you, but I wonder if you can give advice. Let's start with employers. You know, given that this is a changing field, what are the main challenges for employers who are trying to pl- play fair but know that there's a risk of interpretation? You know, what, what would you say is some advice? So the things, the things that I would, I would tell an employer to step back, step back from from the detail of the documents and have a look at what the relationship looks like. What is it that you care about? Is it the end product or is it the way the services are delivered? And if all you care about is the end product, i.e., a toilet gets fitted and gets plumbed effectively, or um, a passenger gets safely from A to B, mm. then query whether it matters who does that and query whether you need the controls and the constraints around all the documents. But you do need to step back and look about what, what your business is trying to achieve and the best way to do it. The, the, slight, the slight difficulty that business has is at the moment there are different tests for employment status and tax. Oh. So you may be self-employed for tax purposes as Gary Smith in the Pimlico Plumbers example was found to be. Mm. Um but employed or a worker for um, for employment status purposes. So, I mean, I'm hearing that basically it's complicated. Being a boss, or it's easy perhaps to just criticise them and say they're always trying to abuse workers and they probably are very bad bosses. But actually, it is very legally testing right now and it's challenging to know on what kind of way you can and are employing people. It really is, especially given sort of brand is king um, in this day and age. So to have a brand um, that you're that you're marketing to the general public, if you have people working underneath that brand, um, dis- despite the fact that those people may have relative flexibility to come and go, you know, you're, you're, you're straying into difficulties in relation to employment status. Um, and I'll get to employees and workers and what they can do to protect themselves perhaps in a moment. But just on those words, decent and fair... There obviously are people we all know and we feel they're not being well employed, no matter what the rules are. And so do you think this is going to assist making it easier for Parliament to legislate? The report calls for all work to be decent and fair. I think it's very, very difficult for you to translate those concepts into a piece of legislation. If we take if we take a step back, you know, one of one of one of the the motivators i think for the initial for the initial sway towards finding worker status was that it's very unappetizing to find that someone's self employed because it means that theoretically they don't get discrimination protection and that's a borrowing why should you be able to discriminate against somebody because because they're they're self employed they signed a different contract exactly it's um or their working practices differ um so actually i think that if we extend the base level of protection to everyone regardless of whether they're an employee regardless of whether they're a worker regardless of whether they're self employed then actually we can look um much more critically uh, at other issues and where there is genuine two way flexibility then people may not need protection of paid holiday for example um but they absolutely ought to get the the, the basic protection against discrimination. Yeah, so Parliament may get to the point where it says there are some things that are going to become universal no matter what your tax... The non-negotiables. Pro- non-negotiables. Yeah. So that's a really interesting briefing from you because you are a lawyer and actually we could expect you to say, 
I'm only going to talk to you about Section 5 of the Employment Act. But you're saying actually social change is so big at the moment, people are going to have to really own up to this and get to grips with what's going on. And in the meantime, lawyers like you are going to fight little cases here and there. But the big picture is not really being sorted out. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think that really accurately summarises um, where we are and the difficulties that the government is going to have um, in legislating. Because I guess, you know, there are listening on their hard-earned break Deliveroo drivers, riders, who do the system works very well for them and other people for working in all the bike courier firms who think they're being pushed further or they feel knackered. Yeah. It's a very complicated world. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think you, you saw a lot of that coming out in the interviews that took place after Uber. You know, you, you obviously have some Uber drivers who are very, very upset and disgruntled about about their employment status. Hence, they bought the action. But you also have other Uber drivers who say this works absolutely perfectly for me. I, yes, my neighbour says that to me. He's an, he's an Uber driver. But equally, you know, I've read the court case and I know what, how Uber's been criticised. Um, the gig economy, it's called. It's not the great word, is it? Because you know what? Most people are not rock stars. So I've always thought that it's an effort to try and make it sound more glamorous than it is. Do you think that the gig economy is the right phrase for, for, for workers who work the hours that suits them? Well, I mean, I think it's... Um like anything, it's a uh, it's a marketing it's a marketing ploy, um, you know, put in place by the media. Really, gig economy is sh- a serious short term, short term, non guaranteed work. Mm, yeah, that's um, not it's not quite as catchy. No, no, I can see. That's, <laughs> there's a reason why it's called gig. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so let's go back to your advice for workers. What would you say is a good way? Uh, for people to try and make sure they've got their eyes open when they go into a contract or go into a work space? I mean, I think there's there's a recognition of where we are. And until the law, until the law's sorted out, going into sort of gig or app-based companies is a bit of a minefield. So if you go into them, you need to go into them at the moment with your eyes wide open. If you really do want flexibility yes. to turn up when you want, put your app on when you want or not, then they may be just the thing. If really what you want is a job that gives you guaranteed income that's going to help you with your you know, rent application, with your mortgage application, then perhaps you ought to be looking for slightly more long-term, you know, traditional employment models. You know, unfortunately, because of the way the world is going, those, I, I, you know, I understand that those jobs are getting more and more difficult to find difficult to find and also it's very much what you're talking to us about really is something that's very linked to a time of life there's some times of life when you're happier to take more risk with your workplace Absolutely. and your employment and i'm thinking of younger and also people who return after they've brought up a family perhaps they return to work in their 60s and they want to take up a courier job but they've made most of their money they've spread what they can over their children's lifetimes they have a happy retirement but they think you know what i'm going to do 10 hours a week delivering parcels and there's plenty of people doing that in their 60s for whom this is coming along as a welcome flexibility and 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 that that's the real issue is that for people that really want and this and this is where the two-way flexibility comes in for people who really cherish that at this time of their lives so you know i listened to an interview of an uber driver who was a mum and she wanted to be able to drop her kids off pick them up go to school plays you know really really Turn on, turn off. Pick her job up as she wanted and put it down as she wanted. It suited her down to the ground. But for other people, where actually what 
what they want and what they need isn't that, but they're unable to find the proper, a more permanent yeah. work. That's that's really where the issue lies. Yeah, so it's actually, you can see that in the absence of an overarching single-shot solution from the law, it's in the eye of the beholder sometimes. Yeah. And if you're about to start a family, guess what? You don't actually want to be given no rights. You do want maternity or paternity leave and you do want to know you've got sick pay and holiday pay and you've got permanent 40 hours. And, and those, a job to go back to when you, when you, when you want to come back to When you to finish. It. And so in the middle has come all these people doing all this work and this is an area of law for you. I suppose it means if we're going to make some predictions, you're going to be one very busy woman. <laughs> Because these challenges are going to keep coming without, aren't they? I think they are, but I think what 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 we're trying to do is also be part of the debate and part part of the force that changes things. So hopefully, we're in a position in a few years' time where you know everyone's got clarity, um, or at least a little bit more clarity than they have at the moment, and stemming the flow of litigation because it's good for no one. And um, you know, now tribunal fees have been abolished, but until recently, people were having to pay to bring these claims, and they were taking a very, very long time to sort out. So, you know, we've responded to the government consultation. Um, we're we're in discussions with with hopefully the the people, the powers that be, that are going to help move the law to a position where individuals have got more clarity and business has got more clarity. Do you know? Have you worked out in your own mind what you think would be a great improvement? to the law do you think you've got to the point where because you're working so closely here you could tell us you know what if i ruled the world if i was theresa may for a day this <laughs> this, this law would be introduced well i mean i touched on it earlier but for me that we have to start from a fundamental position of discrimination protection for everyone and then and i, and I, and I don't know how we do this but measuring measuring bargaining power in a relationship for me is critical um where there is where there is parity or at least more of a balance, then quite frankly, um, you know, people should be able to come and go and do as they please. And employers shouldn't have to shoulder yeah. the burden. So you're saying to me, look, guess what? The big picture is equality for women, equality in the workplace against discrimination based on gender, based on any race. Any disability, any protected characteristic. You want these to be held as the most important parts of work in the UK. And those are, at the moment, there are people who are judged to be second class uh, in the workplace, aren't there? That's the truth, because they're not given the same protections in one situation as in another. Yeah, exactly. So let's have, let's have a charter of fundamental protections... In relation to in relation to discrimination, for example, mm. whistleblowing is another example, and the rest and, and everything else ought to be determined more on a on on whether flexibility is 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 genuinely two way. If it's not, then let's veer towards the worker employee status. If it is, self employment. So, Susanna, it's, uh, it's if I think of a sliding scale where I'm an employer and I want to exert as much sort of influence on my staff, employees, workers to get my brand right, the more I stipulate how I want them to behave, am I moving them more towards employed status with the more I give them instruction? It's really interesting. I mean, I think if if your brand is solely external facing, then you might not have a problem. But where you have a brand that has got very strong values and and it and its um, values permeate the entire organisation, then the more stipulations you have around how your workforce conducts itself. So, for example, the face it presents to customers, how um you know the the appearance before customers. The more the more stipulations you have around that, the more likely you are to move 
um, your workforce along the spectrum towards worker or even employee status. So that's the real reality now, that everything comes at a price. That's right. It's quite difficult to reconcile having a very strong brand um, with with having genuinely self-employed um, staff. It's the, the the two are quite difficult to to, to get right. Mm. It's amazing because you've you've uh, you've made me think. You know, just all the hundreds of times a week I click on an app. You know, I don't really have as a customer. I don't really have much responsibility. I don't feel much responsibility to that worker when every time I touch an app. But the things you're talking about, every time I click and make someone come to my house or take something away or whatever it is, I am making my own bargain with someone's life. It's I can't just pretend it's nothing to do with me just because I want to blame lawyers or blame plumbers. I'm responsible as an app user somehow, but uh, no one's blaming me as the user, are they? That's right, and I think and I think social pressure from all angles is going to is going to have a bearing on how on how businesses operate, and lots of people lots of people are very content and they don't feel um, exploited mm. um, or vulnerable, um, but there are those that do, and it's it's those that do that 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 really really need the protection of. of of legislation. So we know the world of work's changed. We know people made great sacrifices to make it a better place. And now technology is making rapid change possible. In the middle of this is you, and you've given us all you can, Susanna, to help us understand it. So thank you very much indeed for talking to us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Susanna Kintish. She is employment partner at Mishkondorea. And we've been listening to the news sessions. I'm Paddy O'Connell. Thank you to Susanna and thank you to you too. Hope to get you next time. The News Sessions, in partnership with Mishkondorea. Find more of the News Sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. The News Sessions is a Jazz FM production for Mishkondorea.